0: Screamless. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Creative Copper. I'm Gareth Davis, a composer for TV and an audio producer. Hope you're well. I'm still recovering from the old you-know-what, but getting there... Life goes on, though, doesn't it? And I hope yours is filled with fun and creative things. Now, everyone loves to take a photo, don't they? We all have a camera in our pocket nowadays, not like pre-smartphones when you had to take your film to the chemist. Why the chemist? Such a bizarre place to go to get your photos, isn't it? Hello, I'll have a packet of paracetamol, and can you make the memories of my Spanish holiday real, please? It's that combination of smartphone and social media that's caused an explosion in amateur and professional photography, isn't it? Today's guest has worked through all of those changes and it was really interesting chatting with Joe about his approach to photography. I won't spoil what he has to say, so if you have a cuppa, and Joe also recommends a biscuit for this one too, so, you know, common courtesy, I think. Anyway, here we go. Joe Edelman, Olympus visionary photographer and photo educator. Welcome to Creative Cuppa. Gareth, thank you for having me. It's an honor. You are all the way over in, is it Allentown, Pennsylvania?
1: Allentown, Pennsylvania. You know, that town that Billy Joel wrote a song about? That's not really about Allentown. It's about Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Ah, fantastic. So, what's it? It must be 9 a.m. then. 9 a.m. in the morning, which is, yeah, that's right about my limit for being functional in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite sociable. I've yeah. had some chats with people on the other coast. Yes. They, um, yes, it's usually six for them. You, Joe, are an award winning, as I mentioned, Olympus visionary photographer. After being a Nikon, or I, I don't know if you pronounce it Nikon in the States, <laughs> Nikon. Yep. A bit controversial, Um, but you you used Nikon for many years, didn't you?
1: I did. I pretty much grew up using Nikon cameras. Uh, I got my first one when I was 15 years old, and uh, it's like 42 years worth of using them. Great cameras, Mm. nothing against them. My big thing was I wanted mirrorless cameras, which is kind of the newest technology. Nikon was a little slow to enter that space. Actually, they were a lot slow to enter that space. And that just sent me out doing a lot of research and never thought I would go to the extreme of an Olympus camera because they're smaller. They have smaller sensors. But it ticked off all the boxes for me as far as what I needed and the quality was outstanding. So I made the switch Ooh. and haven't looked back, honestly. Absolutely love them.
0: So for us photography laymen, mm-hmm. the difference between a mirror
1: mirrored camera and a mirrorless camera, what, what is that? Right. So traditionally, actually going back to the film days, uh, cameras were referred to as SLRs and what that meant was single lens reflex. What that meant was that when you look through the camera, thanks to the use of a mirror, you were actually seeing through the same lens that took the picture. But that of course means there's a mirror in the way. So when you press the shutter button, the mirror flips up, the shutter opens, exposes the film, and then the mirror flips back down again. That's that kind of big clunk that you used to hear in cameras. So digital cameras started out exactly the same way. They just replaced the film with a digital recording sensor. But then along came the realization that as computer processors were getting better and faster and smaller, that they didn't need to use the mirror. They could actually put little mini TV screens in the camera, one inside the camera where we look, and they call that an EVF, electronic viewfinder, and the other one on the back of the camera, like a little LCD screen. Initially those displays had lag. They were very slow. And the quality wasn't that great. But probably for about the last five years, every bit as good as looking through the lens. And and what that does is it gives you one big mechanical piece in your camera that doesn't break or wear out because it doesn't exist. But more importantly, it's what they call in in the web world, WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. So when you look through the camera... You're actually seeing your finished picture. If it's too light or too dark or whatever it is, you're seeing it that way. So as you apply settings, you're seeing the result as soon as you do it.
0: Yeah, quite a game changer then, I imagine. Yes, absolutely. For professional photography. Um, you, You also describe yourself as a photo educator.
1: Yes. What does that involve? Uh, well, it means I'm old. I've been taking pictures forever. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, one of the, the great things about managing to have a life where I have paid my bills with a camera is that I've reached a point where I can be a little bit more choosy about what I do. Uh, I still like to tell people truthfully that I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up, but I do know it will involve <laughs> a camera. So photo educating for me, honestly, it's really just sharing what I have learned over the years. I... Started dabbling with YouTube about seven years ago. It was kind of like, what's this all about and what can I do with it? And at the same time, I was also teaching some workshops. As soon as I started doing YouTube videos, people were flocking to my workshop. So it's like, ah, business model, you know, did a little bit more research. And uh, at this point, I still have a few commercial clients that I have had for decades and, and love working with. So I've kept them. But I spend the majority of my time teaching. I travel when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. I do workshops, presentations, trade shows, all that type of stuff. And during the pandemic, the kind of silver lining, if you will, to the teaching is that I was able to do presentations in the UK and Australia and Canada, all from the space that I'm in right now. So it actually opened up a lot of speaking opportunities that I normally wouldn't have had.
0: Yeah. And I have to say for our listeners, because you can't see Joe, an amazing background with his uh, lighting rig and a beautiful blue background there going on there. Very nice indeed. Thank you. You're also the host of the Tog Chat Photography Podcast. Yes. And the Last Frame YouTube. You, You mentioned YouTube. Yes. They're listened to and viewed in over 100 countries. Yeah, over 100 countries, uh,
1: growing audience. Started out as just the YouTube live stream. And then I had a lot of people asking, well, you know, could I post that audio as a podcast? And honestly, I couldn't stand it because it's a live stream. So there's so much audio that makes no sense if you're just listening. So I hemmed and hawed and eventually decided, you know what, let's make the podcast something of value. So, you know, I didn't have enough work to do. I decided, great, I'm going to start this podcast. And it's, <laughs> um, it's primarily interviews with photographers. I've been very fortunate to uh, interview some very well-known and iconic photographers, as well as some photographers. Last week, my guest is 22 years old. But the focus of the interviews is the same focus as my mission, which is helping photographers develop a better understanding of the hows and whys behind great photography. So, they're not interviews about, "Oh, you're so wonderful and your career is great." And no, they're interviews about, "How did you make the decision to do that? Why did you pick that instead of something else?" Uh, photographers to share business tips. And so it's it's information that is actually useful.
0: Yeah. You you mentioned the hows and whys there. Mm-hmm. You talked about the understanding of hows and whys behind making consistently great photographs. Yep. For an amateur like me, I've got a, a DSLR, mm-hmm. Nikon actually. Uh, okay. It's so tempting to take a photo really quickly when I spot something. So what should be going through my head when I see an opportunity for a great photo?
1: Well, so actually your, your first challenge is, is to remove that temptation and just do it. Do take the picture really quickly and don't worry about it. If you are uh, inspired, if you have that, that moment where it's like, oh, I should photograph that, do it. That's the first and foremost thing to do. But then, this is where the catch comes in, then what you want to do, if it's something that really made an impression on you, whether it's an emotional impression, a visual impression, and you want to create something with it, you do what I refer to as work the shot. And that means simply, you don't think that you're so good that you created a masterpiece in one frame. Because I'm not that good. Most photographers are not that good. What you do is you start shooting more of that, Subject, you shoot different camera angles, you, tr- you vary your exposure, you experiment a little bit. Now, certainly, sometimes it's something that happens in a flash and-, and you can't shoot more, but whenever possible, shoot more. One of the problems that we run into because we are in a very visual world and we have social media, which, by the way, I love social media. So this is not a knock on social media, but there is a byproduct in the photography world. It's something that I like to call epicopathy. Photographers have a very, very bad habit, and I'm guilty of succumbing to this as well at times, of having that moment that you described where they see something, and like, oh my God, I, I've got to take a picture of that. But immediately as they're grabbing for the camera, they stop themselves and they put the camera back down and they make excuses. And the excuses are things like, ah, but I don't have the right lens with me today, or ah, the light's just not quite right, or, but I can't, I can't get close enough. And the reason why they're making these excuses is because they're realizing that just at first blush, this image is not going to be epic enough, epicopathy, to get tons of likes and follows on Instagram. So they're really creating an impossible bar to reach with their photography. And what they're doing is they're forgetting why they picked up a camera in the first place. So... You know, it it comes down to the question of what makes a picture perfect. And honestly, what makes a picture perfect depends on why you're taking it. If you're taking it simply because you were inspired in a moment, take that picture so that you have it so that you can record that moment. And then indeed, if the opportunity presents itself, work that shot, look for ways to improve it. Maybe it's going to require getting a little bit closer, changing your exposure, different lens, working from a different angle. That's really kind of the practice of photography. But in the moment, take the shot.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because, they're, they're, you know, depending on what you're shooting, there might be emotion involved. Yep, There might be laughter involved. I love your, on your website you have a uh, shot for fun section. Yes. Which I, which I think is great because it, it captures some of those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where they, you Where you are just in the moment and um, not setting up shots, I suppose. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely wonderful. So your passion for the science of creativity is a common thread. Yes. Uh, I, I spoke to an architect, actually, a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made a career out of that as well. Yep. Uh, and finding out, you know, what the the science behind the creativity yes. uh, is and how to improve it. How do you see creativity in the future using what you've learned and being a photo educator How do you see people coming into the industry taking on that?
1: I think it's extremely exciting. Now, um, some will call me an optimist. Some people of my generation will just call me foolish. But I think the technology that we have, the advancements that are being made, not only with cameras, but also computer technology, um, AI, artificial intelligence is a phrase that we are hearing Coming at us from every direction in the photography world right now. Companies are looking to build AI into photo editing software, photo calling software. We're building AI into cameras to help improve the performance of the cameras and the focusing capabilities. Traditionalists, if you will, are like, oh my God, it's ruining photography. You know, you don't need to be a photographer anymore. I completely disagree with that mentality. To me, if software or hardware or anything is going to make the task easier from a technical standpoint so that I can concentrate more on my subject matter. Uh, If I'm photographing a person, then I have to be interacting with that person unless you know, we're doing street photography from a distance. But even good street photographers interact with their subjects. So I need to be interacting with that subject. I need to be paying attention to their body language. I need to be conversing with them. I need to be looking for moments and, and kind of prompting them, creating moments to photograph, to make the images interesting. Uh, I frequently for years have said that doing portrait work is 80% psychology, 20% of it. <sighs> is, you know, the art of photography. If I can get it down to where, you know, I've got 90% bandwidth for the psychology and I only need 10% of my bandwidth for the art of photography, I'm all in. I'm, I'm 100% in mm-hmm. for that. So I think what it does, the, everything that we have going on now, and, you know, as it leads us into the future, it creates fewer barriers to entry for people that are interested in photography it creates more opportunities for people to learn that they can be creative. You know, we're all born with a certain amount of creativity. Indeed, some people have more than others. But the fact is, science has taught us that everybody can improve and increase their creative abilities. You know, there are techniques that you can use. Part of it is simply habit building. It's a practice. So by reducing the barriers to entry into the photography world, to me, that opens up more opportunity for people to explore their creativity, to have fun with it. Anything that is going to give us more creativity in the world, I'm a thousand percent in favor of. Can't argue with that. That's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, I think it's easily
0: forgotten, isn't it, that a lot of photography is in having the eye for the shot. Yep. Not necessarily, you know, what button to press at what precise moment. Exactly. So, yeah, I fully agree with that. Fully agree with that. Uh, so, Joe. Where can people find you online if they would like to look up your work?
1: Homebase is my website. So that's www.joeedelman.com. And from there, you'll find the Talk Chat Photography Podcast, the Last Frame Live live stream. You'll find the links to all of my socials, my portfolio, everything. Well, I will put those
0: in the show notes for you. But for now, Joe Edelman, thank you for joining me
1: for a cuppa. Gareth, thank you so much. And have a McVitie's for me, please.
0: (laughs) I will. Thanks to Joe for his time and insights. I love his attitude to developing technologies, making life easier to take photos. As he says, the more creativity in the world, the better. That's such a great way of looking at it. Joe's been in the industry for a long time, and it really struck me that there's no shortcut to that level of information, experience and wisdom. So if there are no shortcuts, we may as well enjoy the creative journey. So if you have the temptation to take a photo, do it. As always, if you're able to get on the line, head to the website at creativecupper.uk. That's also in the show notes, uh, where you'll find all episodes, ways to show the love through the reviews and ratings, donations to the production, links to a a lot of the podcast hosts like Apple, Spotify, Pocket Casts, etc., where you can listen. Uh, Links to the socials and even to the screenless store where you can pick up all sorts, including a selection of marvellous Creative Cupper mugs. Last but not least, this podcast is produced by The Sound Boutique. So if you're thinking of starting one yourself, go and take a look at how they can help at thesoundboutique.com forward slash podcasts. That's all for now. So until next time, stay well, be kind, and thanks for joining me for a cuppa.